the new models are happy scraping the shit because you've never seen a miracle. Hey everyone out there, welcome back to Underrated. This is a podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or ones that have just kind of slipped on the radar and passed most people by. Um, I am Derek McDuff, and joining me are my co-hosts, as always, Alan Torres and Ariel Ortiz. Hello. What up, y'all? We are nearing the end of our summer of sequels. Um, For the summer, we have decided to talk about um, underrated sequels, Um, and this week it is my pick. Um, I think one of the greatest movies ever made, a sequel to... Um, one of the greatest, the kind of most celebrated movies ever made that was uh, stuck in developmental hell for years and years. And that is, of course, uh, Blade Runner 2049, um, which is directed by Denis Villeneuve, uh, starring uh, Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, uh, Ana de Armas, uh, Sylvia Hooks, Robin Wright, Mackenzie Davis, uh, Dave Bautista, and Jared Leto. Um, so yeah, this is a 2017 film sequel to the 1982 uh, film Blade Runner. Uh, lo- much like Blade Runner, um, it or, which you know did the first Blade Runner did pretty badly at the box office, but you know was very well regarded by critics, and over time kind of became a classic. This one also kind of universally just praised. It won Roger Deakins, the greatest cinematographer of all time, uh, his first ever Oscar. Um, but lost a bunch of money at the box office, um, just like the original. Uh, it's one of these legacy sequels. We've kind of talked about these movies, you know, the sequels that come out, you know, 15 years or more uh, after the original. This one, you know, came out uh, quite a few decades after the original. Um, but uh, I wanted to get your guys' opinions on the movie before I break it down too much. Oh, for me, definitely, it's it's one of the best yeah sequels um i i did watch it in theaters um i had to watch the first one for the first time before i watched it in theaters um and yeah it's just one of those like brilliantly like cinematic movies um definitely like a a a great person um uh continuation of, of what Ridley Scott captured on film also in that those kind of like pe- picturesque kind of um, um, shots and stuff but then it also kind of like it, it builds on I think even more the themes of the first one especially with like what is human what makes you know human beings human and 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 why aren't these replicants, you know, like essentially humans themselves? Just like, yes, they're genet- genetically engineered, but they are humans and emotionally. And um, Ryan Gosling, of course, like, of like as Ryan Gosling does, like, just knocks it out of the park with with capturing that. And I think is is like a very good successor to not Deckard but to um to oh goodness i can't remember the character's name in in the original but of the android the main android the, the, I mean, oh, the, uh, the main, the Roy main replicant Batty. Roy, Roy Batty, Batty. Yeah. yeah i um, think is played a, by Roger Howard. 
Or, or I more so. It's a. It's like he could be considered as like a hybrid between the two. You know, we see. We see what Roy Batty showed, um, as a villain, but we now we get to see it as like our hero, like essentially grasping that that identity of, of humanity and questioning it, and and I think because of that, it it delivers that. Um, message a lot more stronger than than even the first one did and and yeah just going on this journey with that character and just essentially like just feeling how he feels is so like impactful and definitely it, even with my my viewing for you know a recording today was just definitely like you just feel like for this character, you know, of Kay or Joe, whichever, you know, we'll call him Joe because that's how he, you know, ended up as. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely a great movie in my opinion. And, and I really don't understand, like, I know that, like, the first one was a, a cult classic, became a cult classic in a way. Um, so I could see why, you know, it, the sequel, um, didn't get as much, like, hype or or acknowledgement by by you know moviegoers as it should have i mean i i know amongst um some you know stickler fans for originals they didn't enjoy it either uh but i feel like def it, it, if you did if you truly enjoyed the first one and grasped that that you know the theme this first this second one just you know it takes it up and beyond that so yeah, yeah, definitely. Alan? Uh, well, <clears throat> um, I do understand. I, I'll kind of answer your question a little bit. I do understand why maybe average, typical, like, moviegoers. And st uh, sticklers, though, the, 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 the diehards, just like I always say, one of, my, one of the biggest quotes I say is, star the only people who hate Star Wars more than anybody else are Star Wars fans. So it's the same thing with that. Blade Runner fans are going to hate Blade Runner twenty forty nine because because they just want to hate that. That's the whole that's their whole thing. But for average moviegoers, I can see why. Um, this was kind of one of my big complaints about the first one as well. The pacing, the pacing is I, I get it's like a, ne a neo noir, you know, cyberpunk type of film, and. You know, the the thing is, that I with the first one, it, the slow pacing was fine for the two-hour mark because it's about two hours for the final cut. And it it's fine. Like, I think an, a regular moviegoer can go see it and be like, okay, that's fine. And I actually just texted a couple of people before I saw this or before we started recording about it uh, because some, some of my friends were like, oh, I like Anna de Armas or I like Ryan Gosling, whatever. And I was kind of mentioned, oh, yeah, I'm watching Blade Runner 2049. And some of them who are pretty much average moviegoers were like, oh, I hated that movie. They're like, oh, it's so boring. It's so slow. And I enjoyed the first Blade Runner, but that was my main complaint about it. And it's kind of my main complaint about this one as well. It's just the pacing. There's something about the pacing that, like, I've seen other noir movies. They kind of do this kind of slow pace. Um, you know, even Drive, which is another neo-noir movie with Ryan Gosling, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Like that, that movie has kind of like a slow pacing, but it, it's not so slow sometimes. Like it kind of, 
I don't know. I think what it is is that, again, another complaint I had with the first Blade Runner, it's so quiet. The music is so quiet. The The dialogue is so quiet. And, like, the thing with Drive, what I liked is that, like, even if, like, the dialogue was kind of whatever and it was kind of slow paced, like, there was always music going on. There was always an aesthetic going on where you're kind of, like, invested in it and you're like, okay, yeah, I dig it. I'm still here. With this one, the 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 cinematography is absolutely stunning. Completely deserves the Oscar. Completely. It's fucking stunning stunning but the problem is is the pacing because there's a t- there's a there's a point in time where like yeah you're looking at like the beautiful scenery you're looking at the beautiful sets you're looking at the beautiful cgi everything like that and you're just kind of like okay man it's been five minutes i get las vegas is orange right now but can we kind of move on like that that's kind of my thing and the thing is the music is quiet again and and, and what surprises me is that Hans zimmer I don't know the other composer, but I know he did it as well, where I'm just like, dude. Vangelis. I'm sorry? Vangelis is the original composer. Okay. Oh, no, I'm saying for I, I, this one, 2049. Okay. I think there was two. I think it was Hans Zimmer and somebody else. Um, From what I saw of the the the, the IMDb, but I digress. It, it, like, Hans Zimmer's just an amazing... Um, uh oh my god i can't think of the word like his music is amazing you know there's so many films where he has so many bangers like you know interstellar you know i know know a lot of people like the dark knight trilogy music for me personally batman v superman um Tenet was great like inception there's so many great things and like i was like why do you downplay his music like why would you like kind of cut it off and make it so quiet so i think that's why some people probably go you know what it's not for me because there's just some scenes where like it's just too slow and you're just like come on man like like you get invested like like one of my things is that the first hour was great the first hour went like this it was just going the 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 big fight scene in the beginning with uh bautista was amazing um you know you're kind of getting into the story you're starting you're you know you're figuring everything out with ryan Gosling with Kay or, or joe and then about an hour in there's like this slog where it just kind of puts the brakes and it just slows down. Like I understand maybe they're trying to like show the the set designs and the cinematography and and all the beautiful scenes, which I love. They're they're great. Like again, same thing what I said with the with, with Ariel on her podcast. Every shot, of, every shot of picture, every shot. You know, you want to put it up on your wall. But sometimes you're like, okay, man, I like this, but. Can we keep moving? Can we keep going? And I think I feel like there's a thing too with even the action scenes where where um Kay finally meets Deckard and they're in the casino, like the, the old burned down or kind of run down casino, and they're having their fight scene, and that fight scene was boring to be honest. Uh I, I don't hate it, but there was just sometimes where I was like like, like I liked how the music was coming in and out. Like you see Elvis and you see Marilyn Monroe kind of going off, and that that scene was really cool. I I really loved that part. But there was times where you're just like, it just needs a little oomph, like just a little bit more. Like, come on, give it to me. Like, it was kind of just like kind of edging a little bit. But other than that, to go into the rest of it, like I said, cinematography, the acting, the set design, the 
just the writing, like everything about it was awesome. Like I love so much about this movie where I was just kind of like sitting there going, Oh my God. Like I, I wish I was able to see it in theaters. Like I kind of kicked myself in the ass not being able to see it in theaters, but no, it, it's absolutely stunning. Like just so many great scenes. Like I, I think I, I absolutely loved um, Ryan Gosling and Anna de Armas is, um, chemistry like they kind of stole the show for me and there's obviously that scene where like she goes hey like put me in your little uh in the anniversary and then later on he goes hey man like that's the only way you're gonna survive like if you die if, if that thing crashes that's it we're done and then it happens and you're kind of like that like, broke my heart that oh my god that fucking gets me i've seen that scene a bunch of times and it still just kills me oh that scene yeah heavy man and and but the thing at the same time it's moments like those that kind of brought me back in to the movie where i was like okay i I just just kind of like how like like the the previous one how there's so many cuts and everything i feel like maybe maybe it could have been just cut like maybe 10 minutes maybe like just the two hour and a half mark if you really want to make it long just kind of cut out a little bit here and there, not even scenes, just cut out like some scenes where like just nothing's going on. I know the original Blade Runner did the same thing where like, you know, Decker's walking in a building or he's walking through like the Japanese mar- market and like, you know, he's getting ramen and all that. It's great. But the thing is that movie did the pacing a little bit better, even though it was a little slow with this one. That's all I ask. Cause I, I is it true that there's like a four hour and 41 minute cut of this movie as well? Uh, I haven't heard any. I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Because when I was like looking it up, I, I like to do like just a little bit of research on everything I watch. And on Wikipedia or something, or, or I can't remember, there was a thing where it said Blade Runner 2049. Here's the Rotten Tomato score, IMDb. And then it said runtime four hours and 41 minutes. And I was like, what? I, I should have did more research and looked it up more, but I was just kind of in the middle of watching the movie too. So I was like, Oh, I don't want to like not pay attention, but I was like, I'm going to save that for, for this and ask, but I, I don't know. I mean, if anybody out there listening, let us know, is there like a five hour cut? Like, Tell us if you've seen the Snyder cut of yeah, the Snyder Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Yeah. No, Just more, I, you know, more yeah. dark side. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, I think that Alan, like what you said, does really hit at the heart of why this movie had a hard time at the box office. And, you know, you know, more people didn't connect with it like your average moviegoer didn't go out and see it. And it really only resonated with us kind of cinephiles. And Ridley Scott, has, who directed the first one and produced this one, has kind of, and, you know, was a ghostwriter on it, too, because had kind of echoed like in interviews saying that it is probably a little bit long and slow. But for me, I love that. Like, for me, that really worked for this movie. And I don't like that in every movie, but the vibes that it created in this movie, because it is so slow and methodical, and you you do need to connect to these characters and just kind of be like, you kind of connect to Kay and Joy and just the, the humanity and just kind of him just like feeling everything because he is such a stoic performance, but he has so many emotions. And just the time that it takes in every scene and just the kind of like how understated he is and how understated the film is that works perfectly with, you know, the music and, you know, the fights. And I get what you're saying about like, you know, 
Hans Zimmer is usually this bombastic, you know, you know, like, but if you have like, you know, big, quick, frenetic explosion scenes with like the triumphant Hans Zimmer scores, that is completely opposed to, I think, what this movie is trying to do, which is just like make it so like you're not in it for like just you're in it for the kind of the connection, like the humanity of these characters and just kind of the quiet. I love the quiet nature of all of it. And I think that Hans Zimmer, you know, is such a masterful composer that he can do these big bombastic Dark Knight scores, but he can also reel it back and do these really powerful, emotional, character-driven scores. And I think that he does a really good job with that. I'm really amazed by everybody. Everybody in this is very stoic, you know, like love. She can't even display any emotions until the very end when she has that, like, kind of like, I, I'm the best. And she just like fucking kisses Ryan Gosling. It's just like kiss of death. I don't know why, but I just love that scene so much. She's just like, I'm the best. Fuck you. You know? Um, that was like, pretty cool. <laughs> and it's just kind of like the, like the building, just like the boom, 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 boom. Like the kind of like these like tones that are building in that like scene. Cause you're seeing, you know, it's just the tension is ratcheting up as they're like fighting and Harrison Ford is slowly drowning. And like, you, it's that, like that uh, text you sent us, Alan, where he's just like, sure, you saved me, you know? I'll post it on the Instagram for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I just sort of I, of my TV and it just was just like, turn, get ready. It's like, <laughs> like, just like Harrison. I, I, one big disappointment is Harrison Ford wasn't pointing. Uh, I don't know <laughs> why. That's my favorite thing of Harrison Ford is just like, I'm the president of the United States, goddammit. Like, like that pointing he does, I love, but. Yeah, I gotta continue. send you. I gotta send you guys. There's a picture where in that fight scene with Ryan Gosling and uh, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford accidentally punches him for real. Yeah. And there's this yeah. great picture of Harrison Ford being like, "Oh," and like and Gosling just like, "Oh, it's so good." But I love like Harrison Ford just kind of coming back and doing all these like his greatest hits tour. Like he's like, "Yeah, I was in all these great movies in the eight And like somebody like you know he gets grumpy when people interview him and he's like, "So you're doing all your your old?" And he's like, "Yeah." So what? They're good movies. I want to do them. Like, and he just is like, fuck you, guy. <laughs> fuck you, interviewer. I'm going to go be Blade Runner again. And just, I, I really like that the way that they, I think that this movie is better than the first Blade Runner for me. I do like the first Blade Runner. Like, it's a classic. But this just took all of those themes that they had established and just built on them in such an interesting way. Like, in the first one, you're like, oh, is Deckard a human or a replicant? And you're kind of like, ooh, that's a really good question. It's never answered. And it's still, Kind of like no, it left still up, isn't. yeah, mm -hmm. it's still left up for debate in this one. But this one, you you know, K is a replicant, and it mm -hmm. still is like, is he human though? Like he's not literally a human. And then he has that whole thing where he's just like, you know, he he's like, oh, to be born is to have a soul, and just like she's like, you never had a soul. Like you've been getting along fine. And and I I really like the there's another layer to that where it's like, oh, he has like the hologram girlfriend, and it's just like joy, and it's just like how much of that relationship is real? Like his, if she is only there to be in love with him, like that's her whole programming. Can she actually have romantic feelings for him? Or is it just, you know, because she does like put her own life at the line for him, you know? And then they raise the question like, Oh, Deckard, what if you were just only designed to fall in love with Rachel? You know, what if that was your whole thing? Even like humans, like if, what if like, you know, just because of you, your genetic makeup or whatever, like your chemistry, your life experiences, you meet someone, you're just going to fall in love with them. Like it asks all these big questions and it just kind of makes you think about the human experience in a way that really only sci-fi can. And that's what just elevates this movie 
above so much other stuff. Like besides the fact that it is absolutely one of the most stunning looking films ever put to film. Besides all of that, it just really you the performances, just everything, every little thing about this. And one other thing too, like this is a. I, I mean, you guys were kind of mentioning. I don't know. I mean, there might they're probably out there, but I don't really know of anybody who liked the first Blade Runner didn't like this one because I feel like this somehow manages to be a perfect sequel to a movie that was like a classic. Like these there's cause there are always these movies that it's like, oh it's impossible you're never gonna please everybody. You're never gonna like make a sequel that, you know, brings the fans back. But I think they actually did a really good job with this, which is even more insane because the first one is so ambiguous and it's like how do you come back to it and still keep that ambiguous thread going? And uh, one movie that I'll um, kind of compare it to is, um, uh, oh, shit, the the Ewan McGregor um, Shining sequel. Um, Doctor, Doctor Sleep. Sleep. Doctor Sleep. On its own, Doctor Sleep, I like. I think it's a really interesting kind of like horror thriller. As a sequel to The Shining, it's fucking garbage. And it kind of, the connection between them makes them worse because The Shining's whole thing is, it's ambiguous. It's like, are they ghosts? Is Jack Nicholson crazy? What's going on? You have all these questions. And the second one's like, no, it's just ghosts. Just don't, don't even worry about it. It's just ghosts. And I'm just like, you ruined the kind of like ambiguous, cool ending there. And like, because you, it, the whole the, thing, the, 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 like, what is that last shot? You know, and it's just like, oh, it's just ghosts. It, it's just answered. They just answer it. I think the one thing with Doctor Sleep, though, is that I think because because I've I've literally read and seen all of them. I, I've seen The Shining, Doctor Sleep, and I've read The Shining and read the book as well for Doctor Sleep. And I, I think with Doctor Sleep, the film, it's just that that movie was trying to trying to um, please everybody because that movie is kind of like an amalgamation of like people who read The Shining and read Dr. Sleep, but also people who saw The Shining but didn't read the books. And and it was probably like, please, okay. please st- uh, Stephen King yeah, it, who hates the movie. Yeah, which I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm going to be one of those assholes. I like The Shining book a lot better. Even, when I, even before I read The Shining, I, I saw the Kubrick movie and I was like, it's cool, it's all right. But then when I read the book, I was like, holy shit, this is way better. But what I always say to those people is that the Shining book is like fire. The movie Shining is like ice. Like mm-hmm. they're very, they kind of go very separately. And with Dr. Sleep is that with Blade Runner 2049, it kind of had the advantage of being like, okay, we have a lot that we can do with this, which is one of the be- the best parts about the movie is that they kind of just go anywhere they can with it. Because even with the original Blade Runner adapting, um, uh, you know, stream of mm-hmm. um, I, I, there's a, a Cinefix video on YouTube where they kind of found the difference and they, they very much differ a lot, which I won't lie. It sounds like the movie is better than the, 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 the novel. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, adaptations it, it, are always kind of a little better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as, as man in the high castle kind of proves also. <laughs> or minority report or minority total report. recall. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. There you go. And, and like with this one, I was like, I, I, it's super cool because they have such an advantage. But the unfortunate thing about Doctor Sleep is that I can't. I really agree with you on that. Where it's like, as a movie itself, even as a book itself, it's really great. Like just solo dolo, they're fantastic. But following up The Shining, 
even the book itself feels more like a thriller and the movie itself feels more like a thriller as well where you're kind of like yeah this is cool like when i finished dr sleep i was like the shining was way scarier the 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 both versions but even with this one yeah it's more of a thriller and i feel like it's more of a character study on danny and all that but the but kind of comparing the two with blade runner blade runner benefits off that there's really no source material and sometimes i kind of love that that you know maybe there's an original version like a book and then they adapt it into a movie but there's no sequel for the book so directors writers whoever go hey let's do a sequel and they just have so much more they can jump on because they don't have the limitations of just trying to adapt a book now they're just like we did the adaptation now let's venture off and do whatever we want which Mm. i absolutely Mm. really did like about this because they kind of did like you know like you were saying they kind of did like this reverse thing with uh k where like you know he's already a replicant but then he's like am i like am i a replicant like my, my memories were were you know there he like he, he was just like yeah my memories implanted they're fake who cares but then there's a point where he's just like wait are my memories real compared to like other science fiction kind of things where they're just like wait a minute am i a robot are my memories fake i just love that how they kind of turned that on its head that false false chosen mm-hmm. one i love so much they yeah. that was that, the first time i was watching it the only thing i was like not into for the first three fourths was like oh he's just the chosen one and they're like psych just kidding he's not like the secret replicant child it's actually this chick over here and you're just like oh, that's cool you're still a la- lame robot and i'm like you're still oh, a lame yeah. robot yeah but like it, you could and that's the thing that i love about it it's like you can you don't have to be the quote-unquote chosen run to make a difference you can be just an average joe you know like he is mm-hmm. in this and just kind of like basically save the world and you know everyone's kind of wants him to do his like the resistance is like kill harrison ford so they can't find us and you know wallace is like oh i'm gonna use you and everybody's trying to and he's like you know i'm just gonna get this dad back to his daughter because like i because of just that human connection it's there's all Mm -hmm. these bigger things and bigger ideas like i like the things that it hints about like how like how wallace is like every empire has been built on slavery and it's like yeah like rome and the united states and like all and it's like this is the new kind of slavery but it just boils down to at the end this essential human connection and like you know father and daughter just that moment that they have at the end is just really and he's just dying in the snow and just yeah 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 and it's just it's just that whole thing of like the reason it it, and then deckard saying like what do i even mean to you Mm -hmm. and it's not it's so much of like what he means to him it's more so of what she mean what he means to her and his want his that just even having a taste of that like he he felt because he still thought that he was his son when he met him that he felt like he got that and he's he, or he want he wanted that you know so it's kind of more so of like he wants her to have that because he knows and especially him having her memories of um knows that that's what she wants you know because they're kind of like one and the same like you know essentially like they and it's and then the brilliance of, of that whole thing of it of of the record showing like it could have been a boy or a girl kind of thing mm-hmm. is like it, they are parallel like it, and then like those dna's are matching kind of thing and like 
it it comes down to that 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 they are parallel to each other in the end like you know him him to, him to um Deckard's daughter and and it's just so much of like he knows he's not going to get that and he, he knows that that it's not his anymore and it's just like he but he doesn't want to give it he doesn't want to like you know like um cost that to her especially with her not having anybody you know at least he had some people you know he had his boss he had joy and he got to experience that whereas she's has has had to imagine that you know being being secluded and from from a scientific back background i really did enjoy that she did have a genetic disorder because of you know that kind of thing happening you know with the uh, whether rachel was just a replicant or deckard is a replicant or whatever it, it made it a lot more plausible that she had a, like developed a genetic disorder you know and and that because that's what evolution is like the, you know the first kind of like um iterations of of something new usually have like some kind of disorder to them and then it like you know history corrects itself down the line but but yeah and it's it's just uh it's just so heartbreaking and like um I was watching it with my mom and at the end she's like okay so is there gonna be a third one I'm like no I don't think there is I think but yeah it like follows up to like you know that imagination of like of it continuing on and how it was gonna it would be like you know like what would that that revolution look like you know how would they pull her out of the shadows you know she's I'm sure with this the this the future that it is they could figure out a way for like an a mean compromise bubble or something like that but but yeah it, it it's just that that definitely is one of the best final scenes of a movie like you know like not really focusing on the interaction between like deckard and his his daughter but following up and wrapping up you know the journey like the journey of k or joe you know and and it's definitely like greek tragedy in that way of like you know a hero's journey and and you know getting to your final destination and and stuff like that so it's just yeah it, it's definitely like i agree with derek like it, it's definitely i do enjoy the first blade runner but i really like especially with this this last viewing like and i think more viewings it takes you get more appreciation to just the story and just the characters you know mm. yeah yeah absolutely I will say one thing. I I really liked well, I wasn't like obsessed with the performance, but I thought Jared Leto did great. I liked his kind of like I appreciated like him more the second. I appreciated him more this viewing. Yeah, but yeah, no, he definitely actually added a lot to it and like like I'm I'm not the biggest Jared Leto fan. Yeah, um, <laughs> but he kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he sucks as uh, as an know. actor, I really yeah. like him as a musician. But but yeah. uh, him as a musician, <laughs> I like him honestly, he he was like the weak point for me. I thought everyone else's performance, and it might just be because I'm like fuck Jared Leto, but like like everyone else's like I thought like because the the, the the lady who played Love, she was such an intimidating, interesting villain. And like Robin Wright, just with just kind of being like this power figure who is just kind of this like casual racism towards like or 
robotism, whatever, towards uh, prejudice, I guess uh, would be the right word, towards Ryan Gosling. And then just like how he's so stoic and just Harrison Ford is just kind of like back and just like doing whatever he's doing and just... I don't know. Even even like the some of the bit players, like when they go in the guy who's in the orphanage and he's just kind of like a scummy bot guy, but he can just kind of turn on the charm in a second. Just all the performances, and especially Gosling, just really, really good. And and I always love seeing Robin Wright just crop up and stuff. Ever since like The Princess Bride, she's been like one of our best actresses, I think. Um, yeah, but I mean, I do think Leto does kind of have this. He does he does good in, in the role he's here is here, where he's just kind of like stoic and stuck where i think love is just kind of the more interesting villain here also edward james almost gets a cameo your boy yeah yeah our boy yeah our our hispanic hero uh (laughs) which he makes another origami yeah which is the whole thing like listen to my um just that so so um alan mentioned a little bit earlier but i he saw blade runner the first one for the first time just recently and and we discussed it on my podcast if you've never seen question mark exclamation mark so you want to hear my theory on that movie and Mm -hmm. edward james olmos character please go check that one out but yeah just when he's seen edward james olmos come back and still adding to that ambiguous being ambiguous with about deckard himself like Mm. that that this he kind of was in the last movie uh but but yeah definitely all these characters and um uh there was something that was gonna i just had popped up um goodness me uh yeah i can't remember (laughs) but but um yeah i def oh oh no, I can't. I, I lost it. Dang it! I always lose uh. thoughts with this with the with these. But yeah, one one other thing I just wanted to bring up was I love that the way this movie just handles memory and like how our perceptions are so subjective. Like say that like me and someone had an interaction, and that interaction could be totally different in our memories. Like it's the same event but we remember it completely differently. And like, I love the way she's like, everyone thinks that memories are in the details, but they're fuzzy. And just kind of like the way she just like describes all the memories and how like memory becomes really important, but it's takes on a new meaning depending on like whose memory is and what point of view. And I just think that's a really cool kind of human experience. And just, I don't know how that, that just kind of ties into the overall theme. I really, that was just like a kind of like random little part that I love that she is the memory designer and she is kind of the quote unquote chosen one. I thought it was a really cool thing that they put in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, just to finish up the, the, the Jared Leto thing. I, I thought, sorry. Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> uh, I just thought like, I was like, you know what, man, I kind of want to see him more as the Riddler. Like, I don't know the way he, the Joker, like, you mean? The, no, 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 no. I Jared mean, Leto. Jared Leto was, Whatever. Like, I don't. I'll say this, and, and and the listeners are gonna fucking hate me. I think Jared Leto as the Joker is better than fucking what's his name as Arthur Fleck. Oh, Joaquin uh, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Fucking. I didn't garbage. see it because I, I fuck. I don't want to watch. 
Joker movie. Don't, you're not. I was worried you were gonna say Heath Ledger, and I was like, I would hate. Oh no 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 no! No 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 no! no ready to throw fists right now. No 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 no! You had me worried, Alan. You had me worried. Well, because everybody's Jack Nicholson. Whoa whoa whoa! Okay, so for me, for me, for me, it's Mark Hamill, Jack Nicholson, then Heath Ledger. Or actually, I'd put Cesar Romero a little higher up there, too. But, no, I, I was like, you know what, man? Like, the way he was speaking and, like, his, like, prose and, like, like the way he was acting. I was like, dude, I, I kind of think he would have been a better Riddler. Like, I like the way he was speaking. And, like, it kind of reminded me of John Glover from, uh, he was on Smallville. I think he was Lex's dad. He was, yeah, Lex's and, and he was Luther. Yeah, there you go. And he, he's Very underrated actor, Riddler. by the way. He's been a Very lot of underrated. shit. Oh yeah, he was uh, the the creator of Bane and Batman and Robin, and he's my favorite Riddler of all time in the Batman the Animated Series. Like he was very much like doing John Glover's like kind of voice style as a Riddler from Batman the Animated Series and this, and I was like, dude, you should just be the Riddler. I think like if you want to give it another go for a Batman movie, <laughs> do do the Riddler, man. I think you would fit better with that kind of type of performance. But um, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, no, like, like other than that, like, I really dug his performance in this movie as well. Because, like, again, like, now he's kind of becoming this, like, you know, it's Jared Leto. And, like, he's kind of, like, up his own ass every now and again. Didn't Most know the there time. was COVID for three months. Get the fuck out. Really? Did he say <laughs> yeah. that? Oh, no, he was, like, on a retreat at, for three months. And then he didn't know With COVID cult? happened. I don't know. <laughs> but, I hear yeah. he's, like, I feel like he has, like, a cult, like, Klaus from, like, uh umbrella academy but like i would i wouldn't be surprised he delves into it yeah no i i was reading about it and he just straight up like grew out his hair out like klaus and everything he might as well put hello and goodbye on his hand everything like he was just like i'm i'm from i am 30 seconds to mars which i'm like what 30 what is it 30 seconds from mars to mars no 30 30 seconds to mars yeah to mars okay that's halfway to mars oh my god i fucking hate that band. I'm gonna be real. I think the music sucks. I think the music really sucks ass. I like his acting a lot better. Like what I always tell people is like if you like him if you like his performances, his best performances is in Fight Club and American Psycho because he gets killed and he gets beat the shit out of him. Yes! Exactly. <laughs> yes. And I'm on like I kinda I, I know people hate it, but I love his stupid like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> like the laugh is so bad, but I'm like, you know. I'll take that over Joaquin Phoenix because I fucking hate Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. It's I don't even okay. call him Joker. It's fucking, think, but anyway. You had it like you were like pushing the envelope too on that too. Like of like I you said I hate Joaquin Phoenix and I'm like okay wait well, that's too going too far. But then you added Joker and I'm like okay. The Joker, Joker. Now, Joaquin <laughs> yeah. Phoenix is great in a lot of stuff. Like you know he, he's been he's been a great actor in a lot of things. I don't hate him. I just hate that performance. Yeah. And I'm still upset that like he got like an Oscar for it and all that shit. Where I'm just like, really, dude? Like, really? Just, uh, if, I'm sure if if they didn't name it Joker, you would have. Or if it wasn't Joker, you would probably like they, okay. they they could have called it Clown, or they could have called it like the King of Comedy or Taxi Driver. They already made that King of Comedy. They, you oh, my bad. Named oh my bad. Two, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> name two Robert De Niro movies. Those oh, are this, okay. the movies that movie ripped off of is what exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, that's your joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you fucking laugh. I hate that fucking laugh. But anyways. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. 
Jared Leto was okay. He was great. But oh my gosh, man, yeah. I mean, I I definitely like. I think Alan. I think it, the more I know, it's probably going to be a while till you gave it a rewatch. But I'm hoping that that the more rewatches you have, you'll get to like like it a bit more because I I feel I kind of like get what you're saying with it being pacing and stuff like that. Um, and I think like the first time I watched it, it was kind of like getting to me towards the end too. And this one, like, um, I didn't really mind too much. Yeah. This time around. So. I'm yeah. I do that... think it's, it's a movie that definitely, I think both this one and the first one improve with rewatches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. since you're like, oh, that's that. what this was. The, okay. So Mackenzie Davis was here doing this and just, uh, by the way, that like scene with like that it was like kind of like a weird three-way whatever like that i felt like was like one of the like most interestingly shot like deep and emotional like sex scenes i've ever seen in a movie like i just thought it was so bizarre and fucking weird and just like like i don't know just it, they tried they tried to do a similar thing in her and it didn't really work as well but i i, I just it's, i don't know it's so weird especially both being scarlett johansson <laughs> It was kind of weird. The I, you know what's so funny? I was actually kind of shocked by that because I always kind of thought about like <laughs> like future sex products. I was like, how is it going to be in the future? Because <laughs> like you know, th- you know, there's like sex dolls and there's like the the, the little nah. pocket pussies and all that stuff. And I was kind of like, I guarantee you, when we can do like holograms really well. There's gonna be like a market for that with like holograms and, and like in this movie, you know, when Joy was just like the the girlfriend, and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then when they started going like, I'm gonna like sleep with you, like I want to sleep with you, as like a hologram kind of thing, and I was like, oh man, why did I? I felt like I had thought about this a long time ago, where I was <laughs> like, oh shit. And then they kind of like went above and beyond, where they put. You know, Anna Armas on, on top of um, um, uh, Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis. I, I just saw her from Catching All Fire, and um, and like just I was like, oh my god, you guys kind of like, I, I wish I was there to give the idea because I just feel like they were like, hey man, we like your idea, we're gonna take it even further, and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I didn't think it was gonna be like that because I was always like, there's, I think I got it from like demolition man or something or or something like that with like a hologram and like you don't necessarily sleep with the hologram but it's something like that and i was just like oh wow and then when it happened in in this movie i was like wow i i call call me nostradamus because i predicted it (laughs) i knew this was gonna happen and then they just took it further so that kind of made me laugh where i was just like well you know what now i know somebody who's seen this movie and who works in that kind of like industry is going to be like, I need to make that. I need to <laughs> make a hologram. Like they even had the thing that goes on the on the ceiling for like to to, to project her. And I was like, oh man, you're giving so many dudes so many ideas with this stuff. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, this movie's really ahead of its time. It's ahead of its yeah. time by like uh. But I don't years. think that many human women will even even you know sex workers would be okay. I I was even surprised with how like okay she was like I guess because well, she's a replicant. It, well, she's like she was right. trying to infiltrate. Yeah, that's I, true too. Yeah, they like I said they do something similar in her, but it doesn't. It's like kind of a little clunkier. And this one is just like 
you know, and the, the idea behind both movies is the same, where it's like, you know, the kind of like hologram slash, you know, like VR, like girlfriend wants to be real for the person she loves and she wants to like, you know, feel like she's real. And it just kind of comes back once again to those questions of like, what is it to be human? What is it to be real and have a consciousness and have a soul? And like, I was not expecting that question to be proposed in that scene, but I, they totally hit the nail on the head. I feel like. I think it made it more intimate too, because while, you know, we see a lot of depictions of naked women and stuff like that in the, in the movie itself, especially with, you know, like the care, like the program you could say of joy, um, this, her, that whole scene didn't show any of her mm -hmm. nudity. It kept her like, uh, like, you know, shoulder up and stuff like that and didn't show anything. So I think that adds to a lot more of like, you know, like intimacy and that versus like, you know, like export exploitation of the human of the, you know, the female form and all that. And like, and the contrast between those, you know, and that why, like when he sees, joy it, contrasting even more with like when he sees that joy kind of hologram yeah, um, later on it's completely yeah. like it's not her like you and, and get then that. it, it's like and it cuts right yeah. after the sex scene right to that hologram for like a second that you do like you mentioned you do see nude and then it cuts back to like the aftermath of Mackenzie davis waking up and her joy get like kicking her out and i thought so it's like begging the question like okay like we did you did just have the scene where you don't see anything and then cuts right back to this the, the hologram the other one and it's like is this the same joy or has she evolved past this mm -hmm. you're seeing yeah. that like after after you see like the the nude purple haired joy i was like okay this is completely a program like this is somebody else like like that because i, I feel like to juxtapose compared to like how ariel was saying where where joy is like you know you don't see her body you just kind of see like shoulder up but then you see the juxtapose of um of um the ad joy like the purple haired one where she's like naked and like they they kind of show it everything like every shot was trying to focus on her face and her hair on her everything else and stuff <laughs> so they were just trying to be like this is someone else like this mm -hmm. isn't that one and like even uh k he kind of has that kind of sense of like yeah you're not you're not her, which is even more heartbreaking too. Like I was just mm -hmm. like, like even I was like, get away from here, whore. You're not her. Yeah. But yeah. Then you're you're not my joy. They still yeah. managed to put a little doubt in your mind because she still caught that that billboard. Jo joy call still joy. calls him Joe, and you're like, yeah. fuck, <laughs> fuck. She's not. She's not. And but you want. But like you said, you're like, no, no, get away, get away. But it's the same thing with uh uh with um a uh, Deckard and and the. Uh, the replicant Rachel, yeah, same thing where it's just like he was just like, oh, you're, yeah, you're not, you're not Rachel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's still, it still hurt him, you know, to see like mm -hmm. when, mm -hmm. when that character, the bad girl, like, you know, um, Pris to, um, kind of like, uh, shoot, shooter, like, kind of gives a, gets him a reaction too because it's like still pretty much close to the likeness of her and like yeah mm -hmm. it's just like uh there's so many moments that's why i i yeah. love i i really like liked this movie a lot more this past you know viewing and definitely like i, I that's my you know um 
outcome of of this of of this movie is that if you didn't like it the first time you watched it, maybe try giving it an, an, another um another watch and kind of like I th- I think you listen to this podcast because mm. like we're kind of going into depth in it and it's and you could still like rewatch it and and kind of like okay like grab that kind of thing and get that more sense you know of the movie and kind of like it'll allow you to, I guess like focus more on the story and the characters and themes and stuff like that and yeah and you could fast forward through it if you really if it's really bothering you <laughs> fast forward through the the long you, shots you know what I, like you know what it is i'm getting the same feeling as i did when, when we talked about blade runner where you look at you look back at it in retrospect mm-hmm. and you talk about it and you talk about the themes and talk about the scenes and the acting and everything you kind of build appreciation for it. I think that's why the first one is such a cult classic, is that maybe somebody back in the day was like, oh, yeah, I saw that Blade Runner movie, and I thought it was okay. And then somebody goes, yeah, I saw it too, and they start talking about it, and they just kind of go, holy shit, you know what? It's a lot better than I thought. Like, now talking about it and discussing it, because I won't lie, when I finished it, I was kind of like, oh. It was kind of... It wasn't rough in the sense that I disliked it. I was just like, man, it was it was kind of slow, man. Like I, I kind of needed like a little like oomph sometimes. But then now discussing it, I'm just kind of going like, you know what, man? It was pretty good. Like now, now that I think about it in retrospect, I like it a lot more than I did, you know, like an hour ago. But I do want to rewatch it, just like when I want to rewatch the first one. I'm hoping maybe one day, you know, out here we're able to watch like a twofer where they show it in theaters because because I definitely want to see both of them on the big screen because one of the things that I really loved was uh, like, just like I said in the, in the, in our, in the podcast with you was that with the first Blade Runner, Sean Young's scene or Rachel, when she first appears on screen, it is so fucking cinematic. Like it is so cinematic. You know, she's doing the, the, the test with Deckard and she's like smoking a cigarette and she has that fucking cool ass like hairstyle and her eyes are kind of glowing red which I do miss in this movie. And then she's smoking and the smoke's just like like this. Like, it's stunning. And I want to see that on the big screen. And the same thing with this movie where there were scenes where you're just like, you know, I'm not trying to boast, but I did watch it on my 70-inch TV. And I was like, man, I still wish I could see it on an even bigger screen Hmm. to truly appreciate it. But yeah, I'm hoping that like, I I think at the end of it, you know, to, to recommend it, I would recommend if you can, you know, give it a watch. It's on HBO Max. Watch it on a big fucking screen if you can. But I think people will appreciate it more if they saw it on like the silver screen, like an actual theater, because I feel like it's just more appreciative. It's more encapsulating, encapsulating on a big screen. Yeah, I. I completely agree. Like, obviously, it's a big recommend for me. And um, I, I was watching part of this on my phone just because I needed to watch it before the podcast. And that was the only way I had access to it. Um, and I was like, this almost feels like a crime. <laughs> I was watching it in the living room. And then I said, fuck, dude, I really got to take a shit. Like, cause I, just, I, just, I, I watched, I, I got off work. And I just was like, boom, I'm going to watch Blade Runner. And I fucking jumped on the TV and I started watching and I was like, oh my God, I really got to take a shit. And then I, re- 
<laughs> I ran to the bathroom and then I was like, pause it here. And then I started watching it on my phone while I was taking the dump. And I was like, oh, it's pretty great. And then I took a shower and then I went back into the living room. So when you were like, I don't watch it on my phone, I was like, I feel you too, dude. I, take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it, but. Yeah, but yeah, if you, if you have the choice between your phone in the bathroom or a 70-inch TV, go for the 70-inch TV. That's my recommendation. Because there was a point where I'm showering and I want to watch it, so I was like this. I was like... Oh, man. Oh, look at Kay, man. He's so handsome. Yeah. That was me almost like cracking up. And my cat's like walking and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? What? Watch it, Blade Runner. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so yeah, I think we can all definitely recommend this movie. Um, but yeah, uh, that so we just got. Uh, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, this has been our summer of sequels. We've got one left. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about one of Alan's favorite movies of all time, Back to the Future Three. Um, but we have been the Undercast Company. Um, we do some other podcasts. Ariel, if you want to talk about your podcast before we wrap up. Yeah. So my podcast of you've never seen question mark exclamation mark is just started its second season and its second year. We started off with, like I mentioned earlier, Blade Runner number one and, and Alan was my, my guest on that. So yeah. Um, if we talk about movies that are considered a part of pop culture and cinematic history, but either myself or my guests um has never seen it so we get each other's opinions on its first viewing and then yeah have some sometimes end up having some very deep discussions on philosophy and stuff <laughs> like that like how how you know blade runner kind of led to um and so yeah yeah and yeah and then i just want to mention some i've been guesting on a few shows recently um so if anybody wants to check those out i was on a podcast called Force Five, where I talked about my top five brief encounter movies because I love. I was, you guys can tell he, hearing me talk about Joy and Kay. This movie I love those kind of brief romantic films. I also was on a, a podcast called Hit Me One More Time, talking where we look at nostalgia, talking about Pokemon, the first movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I was on a Coachella podcast talking about Huel Hauser, which was fun, and uh, I talked about. Pirates of the Caribbean on one called The Final Draft and then uh, recently uh, was on the Matt and Mark movie show talking about The Jungle Cruise for new movies so I've been busy so anybody who wants to check out any of those shows uh, check them out on you know whatever podcast app or you know obviously uh, any of our other shows but uh, thank you once again everybody for listening Um, check us out on our Instagram um, or Discord we've got a new Discord so if you guys want to you know interact more directly with us that's a good way to do it Uh, we also have a Patreon if you guys uh, if you like contributing that way, or if you would just want to give us a review um, on iTunes, rate us five stars. That helps the show so much. Um, but once again, I have been Derek McDuff. I'm Air- I've been Ariel Ortiz. I've been Alan Torres, and I uh, just want to leave off real fast. What one last uh, thing, real quick, before we go off. I want to hear what you guys think is what is the most beautifully cinematic film you've ever seen. Like, which one do you feel like to you? Uh, listeners, you know, go on our Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and I want I want to hear from you guys. Our Discord as well. Mm-hmm. Just got that up and running, and mm-hmm. I just want to hear what you guys think is the, the most beautifully cinematic film we've ever seen, compared mm-hmm. to you know, I'm not compared, but like you know, we're talking about Blade Runner 2049. We just want to, I want to hear what, what we all want to hear. What you guys think is 
the most beautifully stunning film where you go every shot every shot of frame or not every movie picture every shot of picture kind of thing like you can put it up on your wall and you're like yes that's that's mm-hmm. stunning to me yeah 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 just for that one i have actually a very relevant um under the radar i don't know necessarily but underrated but definitely under the radar independent movie called the fall is a really good um cinematic movie so if you want to check that one out or if you agree with me i would like to hear it too yeah anything roger deakins has done really or um Inuratu, um a lot of his stuff and then uh Mac- the 2015 whatever the the uh, michael fassbender version of macbeth definitely i think is one too but yeah out there listeners um tell us which ones you guys thought were really amazing looking films um but until then i will see you in another life thanks for being amazing Take it easy, everybody.